Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. Hey, uh, still in uh, Norway. Yeah, this is like my last couple of days, and so I'm super stressed, of course, because I've left a lot of work to get done. Just wrapping up a residency here, and it was fun but intense week. Um, but you know what happens when you're like, you know, you have an intense week or something. You're like, yeah, yeah. I don't know dead- what it's like. Oh yeah, I forgot. You have this amazing Sorry. life. <laughs> well, anyway, what happens is uh, you like you put other deadlines kind of aside. Like you um, you say, well, I don't have to worry about that until I deal with this more pressing deadline. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like. Yeah, I wish I could relax, but I just remembered I forgot. You know, I I didn't respond to any of these emails. I didn't do any of this work because I was racing against the clock. So yeah, I, I, I do remember that from from high school. The feeling like, <laughs> can someone give me give me two more days? Because I really started uh, mm. studying too late, and why didn't I start earlier? Well, like, you're making me sound talk, lazy. <laughs> talking to your past self, and it's like, why didn't you open the book? It, it was mm. right in front of you, but you had to watch TV. Yeah, it's not like that. <laughs> I'm not watching TV. <laughs> but actually, it's funny, yeah, because with a residency, you have a lot of social obligations, like dinners and all that. You yeah. know, like when you're outside your regular routine, uh, everything is harder to do because your time is no longer structured the same way. Like I was I was actually considering yesterday that like my nine to five kind of job really helps me structure my time and say no to a lot of things. You know, it's like... Yeah. I can't do this casual uh, coffee and walk this afternoon. I have but to the, it, it's also interesting that uh, you have a lot of obligations in life and you want to hang out with people. But then when you think back about life, what was the most fun time or the most meaningful? It, it was having coffee with people and not doing email. But No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't reminisce about email very often. <laughs> no, it's, I don't think a lot of people lie on their deathbed and like, oh, I, I wish I watched more TV. Well, that's what's, what's been great is like I've had a, like different people coming through here. So this week I, we had Silvio LaRusso, who's a, an interesting artist and writer. Um, and he does this. Yeah, so we were sharing coffee and talking about entrepreneurial culture and like startup culture and all of this the precarity of anyway all kinds of fun stuff like things that you know only a few people in the world actually would laugh and have fun talking about (laughs) those seemingly our listeners do too i think more people than you think yeah i ran into a listener yesterday that uh, rhizome had an event about the animated gif Mm. and the history of it it, not even the animated gif the the gif but somebody came up to me it's like hey love you guys this podcast and uh well, that's nice. Maybe Rizo could include. I, 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 we were talking for a while, and I was like, do you listen to any other art podcasts? And he said he tried, but the other ones all have really bad audio quality, so it was kind of uncomfortable <laughs> to listen to. That's crazy, considering how bad our audio recording setup is, like how little we had to do just to get it to this quality. Yeah. <laughs> we spent $80 each, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, let's say that most people, most artists are broke, so they can't afford to get a a podcast hosting plan, and they so they mm. maybe they have to compress it more. And they, I don't know if it's a lack of will or maybe it's an aesthetic. Or I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. W- we didn't really have anything to talk about today. Speaking of uh, the least, mi- or, the minimal effort we, for a podcast. We, we either have yeah the way you see we have many things to talk about, but yeah, I mean the biggest news to me was uh, Amazon buying Whole Foods that was a big 
So yeah, it's just a cultural as a cultural signal. It's relevant to me. It it seems like the future is coming faster than we thought. And w- and why do you think that? So wait a second. For people who are, don't know what Whole Foods is, non-Americans might not know. It's like mm-hmm. the largest grocery largest symbol or- of gentrification and yeah, and organic food uh, grocery store in. Well, it's 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 a big States. scale organic food. So they call yeah. it big organic. But it, basically, it's a very expensive grocery store that tries to buy uh, natural f- foods that don't use antibiotics uh, in the growth hormones uh, not too much refined sugar although they do uh, fresh produce more than in other supermarkets but it's high-end so it's uh, like a small box of tomatoes is four dollars and uh, yeah that's what doesn't make sense to me about this Amazon purchase is that like Amazon I think of you know, kind of the lowest price is the law kind of thing, which is actually like a slogan yeah, for me. Yeah, and also the design of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that, and that it's accessible and available to everyone, and like, we've talked about this in previous episodes, like, they've, they've uh, managed to win despite being a horrible corporation by just making it like a wonderful experience, but I don't think of Whole Foods that way, but maybe, I don't know, because no. Whole Foods... Well, it, 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 it's interesting to me that... Uh, Whole Foods is really fun to be at, to me. I don't know if you agree, but it's like, mm. uh, as far as grocery stores goes... Maybe for a wealthy artist like yourself, it's fun, but for me, it's depressing. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but regardless of money, I'm talking about the experience. Because yeah. it, it's ridiculously expensive, mm-hmm. that, that's for sure. But I'm talking about the, the experience, the design of the store, the way things are laid out, the choice of... Okay, I will say this, yeah. Like, American grocery stores in general are terrible. And in New York, especially. So, like, in yeah. New York, what's, like, your alternative? Seatown, which is, like, uh, literally, I bought hamburger meat there once, <laughs> I told you, and I, I cooked it, and it melted through the grill. So, it's, like, <laughs> yeah. that's what they're competing against in New York. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, a lot of people actually go to Whole Foods in New York because there's, like, actually no other alternative besides bodegas, right? Yeah, and it's also, it's almost a restaurant, so they have a food bar. and Yeah, a lot of people have lunch there. Yeah, and then it's more affordable than having lunch in a restaurant and standing in line. So it depends on, if you compare it to a cheap grocery store, it's expensive. But then if you compare it to a breakfast buffet in a five-star hotel, then it's cheap. So it's not just a grocery store. But um, there's this uh, marketing... uh, brand equity management expert Scott Galloway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he researches luxury brands uh, with all kinds of data points. And he did a talk at DLD a few years ago mm-hmm. where he talked about the four horsemen, the, the, the big players in the Apple, Amazon, mm-hmm. Facebook, Google, and maybe right, Microsoft, but the, the big market cap. And he said at already three years ago, pure play doesn't work. Like a, a pure online retailer doesn't work you need uh, physical moats you need mm. uh, stores that people can trust the brand they can return things they can pick up things easier uh, they can touch things and see them and that makes the online brand so much stronger so um, is that like the it, apple store as well does that yeah yeah exactly and and so the apple store gives apple such an advantage in in the, the um, compared to samsung or google in terms of people being able to touch the machines and building a trust with it yeah that's interesting i never thought of that because like the the being able to return thing resolves one of the key anxieties people have about online shopping which is like it's going to be a hassle to to send it back 
even if it isn't it's just that there's the mental block yeah Yeah. and like netflix early on with dvds they made it easy by just like providing the envelope in uh your your mail and also in the united states you can like put mail on your doorstep and have it returned uh but still like it's we've talked about it previously it's like a lot of friction and anxiety (laughs) Uh, the digital is so seamless, and then the physical is like, oh god, and I have to do this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but if so, the store, so, if you if you're like ten minutes from a store anywhere in America, then you feel all right so, about it. So Whole Foods is not even doing that well. I don't think they're profitable. Hmm. And um, out of all the grocery stores, I don't think they're the most profitable, and they're definitely not as profitable as Walmart. So it seems like okay, why would you buy that? But well, because they had that. Gro- so Amazon had this. We've talked about it previously. This uh, grocery store, like experiment, where you could walk in yeah, and yeah. Well, take something off the we shelf and walk go. out without like without cashing out, right? Well, it it just seems weird to me. Sometimes here in New York, it, the Whole Foods here is about twelve minutes walk away, so it's not something you just stop by quickly. You decide to go, mm-hmm. and then sometimes it's snowing, and there might be three feet of snow. And then you wonder, why don't they have online ordering and delivery? Mm-hmm. Do you use and any of these? I remember when the internet in the 19, late 1990s, this is becoming the grocery store episode, it's ridiculous, but like the grocery gateway and all these, actually, did you have grocery gateway in the United States? I wonder. There were all these like online you grocery... You the, 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 the before Amazon Fresh, like the precursors? Yeah, yeah. There were all these online grocery delivery services. That was like, that was the first thing apparently you know probably leveraging on the insight that americans go grocery shopping at least once a week they buy kind of the same things you know we already have the distribution centers for this in in the netherlands there's always something four minutes walking away Mm -hmm. not more than that but probably closer so you go maybe twice a day to the supermarket yeah it's very different in europe though right like and and so christina told me growing up like they would get in the car once a week Mm-hmm. And just fill it up just to the brim and just have a, a crazy amount of stuff, but maybe once every two weeks. Yeah, in fact, that's how like Sam's Club and Costco like leverage this idea that maybe instead of every week or every two weeks, it could be like once a month and you would buy like a thousand. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> you know. that's very contradictory to the idea of fresh food and not having processed food and things that don't have to stay fresh for a month. Right. So culture has changed in the time since then. And so now people, I guess, are demanding fresh, organic food that's sourced locally. And I suppose Amazon couldn't do that with their existing distribution network. I assume that buying Whole Foods is just like a logistics thing, which is that you're buying not Whole Foods the store, but Whole Foods the distribution of fresh, organic produce kind of uh, logistics. One thing I'm waiting for is for Whole Foods to open bodegas. Mm. Why would they do that? little... Well, oh, like I, oh, like express versions kind of thing. Yeah, like a little Whole Foods because most pe- most people go for the snacks anyway. Whole Foods Express. Most, mm-hmm. Yeah, and most bodegas are really are using very bad products and very bad ingredients. Why do you say that? They have like uh, what's the <laughs> there's like Boar's Head Ham at everyone. <laughs> all these New Jersey brands. Yeah. That I know, yeah. like that's one of the ones I know. But I'm just like, yeah, you're right. They have like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, why is our assumption that's bad? I think there's no marketing behind it, though. Like, if there's a new, you know, like Amazon bodega. No, but you, 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 in those bodegas, you can't, the choices are limited, and mm. uh, lots of the drinks are with sugar. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of fresh fruit juices. My assumption uh, in those places is always that, like, some salesman came in one day and it's like, if you exclusive, if you sell this, like, corrupt, <laughs> you know, like meat, 
exclusively through the store, we'll give you like 10% off, you know, because they mm-hmm. bodegas and stuff used to also have signs that would have like brand name sponsorship on them, like Kit Kat or, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. whatever, like uh, brand on the sign. So they even they even franchised out this, the like, we're not even going to pay for our own sign. I want to, since we were going to have a little bit of a random episode, I want to, yeah. in the Netherlands, they had this thing in TV commercials in the 80s and 90s that if they advertised candy, they had to put this toothpaste logo in the in the ad saying it's bad for your teeth (laughs) but the way it works is that kids would recognize that oh then it must taste good so if if a candy didn't have the toothpaste the toothbrush Mm -hmm. logo they're like nah i don't want that candy i want the sticky kind oh that's funny same with the with the parental advisory uh, logo on cds because of lyrical content Mm, that's an interesting it's like of course yeah, I want yeah. the rap that is dangerous and not the rap that is family friendly yeah it makes me think though that like if we I mean this is going to be a rambling conversation but how come you, know, you always hear of course that like if you're in sports you always have like a sponsorship deal like no skateboarder would ever consider like skateboarding without like seeking to align themselves with a brand and like you know so that you know they'd have like 10 different sponsor kind of things but very few artists have uh, this arrangement where they like, you know, because I'm just thinking about this because I'm doing this residency mm-hmm. on art and entrepreneurship. Well, art's supposed to be outside of society. Mm. Yeah, but like, I mean, I so that said, I know of a few artists here in Europe, specifically new media artists that have like deals with sponsors. Like a friend of mine had like a deal with Nokia and they would like get all free phones apparently or something. But like you might have a GoPro mm-hmm. deal or something like that. But it yeah. seems like it's like, I don't know. Anyway, like I'm just thinking, would, like, do you think that would make the work more interesting or better? I think it would make the artist's life a little easier if you could just like choose, like when you start your career, you graduate from school, like, and you're opening your bodega, and you're like, hmm, do I want the Kit Kat sign or do I <laughs> do, do I want the uh, cigarette company? I don't know. Yeah, so you yeah, make yeah, your yeah. brand choice. It's not that far <laughs> off. Probably musicians do this, right? Like. Uh, they do product yeah, placement sure. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but, but, it's kind but of off topic. I, I do think there's another thing. We're talking about current events. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of empty stores in New York. Like yeah, so you said it, you noticed that are, this. It, there are a lot of for lease signs. So there's, there's, I read a few articles, but there's different explanations. One of them is that retail is moving online, which that argument I find hard to believe because this is such a pedestrian city and such a destination. Mm. Mm-hmm. But twenty um, percent of all store spaces between Canal and Houston on Broadway are empty. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Right in the center. And, and that's that's a, that's a key shopping area. That's Soho. That's a, every yeah. tourist walks there. It's always busy, and so tourists are uh, tourists and people and shoppers are visiting the stores, but they buy online later. Ah, uh, yes. There's a word for that, that, right? There's yeah, like a and that makes that makes for stores not having to have huge inventory and maybe they can just have a little shop even H&M and, and Zara can just have they don't have to it, it's a, just a whole different idea so I'm just curious how cities will change I, I really think the internet is, is about to change cities a whole lot more I, and I thought it wouldn't happen because I was impatient I thought it would have happened 10 years ago but we did talk about this during the, during the Amazon yeah. episode that this should happen but I, I my feeling is just that they'll shift and uh you know that those empties first of all they're empty because they're very expensive in terms of taxes and 
gov- so yeah. it's going to affect government and then government will be like oh no shit what are we going to do the stores don't want to be well it was anymore. also i think there was a lot of economic growth and upward uh, economic mm. mobility so maybe the landlords got greedy They're like oh let's raise the price even more and it just got into this kafka-esque situation where it's, mm-hmm. there's no logic anymore uh, who maybe can make Maybe stores will just become, you know, housing for the poor. That's probably what will happen. <laughs> but co-working spaces or coffee shops or yeah, prison. Maybe there'll be prisons. <laughs> 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 I was uh, talking to someone today uh, about how like prisons are looking at virtual reality as like a way so that they can like make smaller spaces available. Oh my god, like the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they'll just become like. Uh, you know, space that we can cram human units. <laughs> like chickens like, in the... In well, I saw that I was reading this article in uh, the New York Times about uh, Hong Kong and these like, there's these apartments that are called coffin apartments. I don't know if you've mm. heard about this, but they're only as large as your body. <laughs> and it's horrible. It's so horrible. Like it's for what else you know, do you the poor of the yeah. poor. Yeah, so they, yeah, it's funny. there's I great photo series. I feel embarrassed about the size of our apartment. And then I was in Japan and I told them, I'm like, whoa, that's so big. <laughs> you have a bathroom? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, yeah, you can these coffin, in your apartment? The coffin apartments, they, what they do is they take an apartment of your size and then they split it up into like sub, like 20 units kind of thing. So they'll take, they'll just like, yeah, it's literally like a matrix of coffins. Um, the nice thing is once you die, they can just take the coffin out and put it in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but it reminds me that another piece of news that I heard uh, a couple weeks ago that I haven't had a chance to talk about, and actually someone messaged me to say, talk about this on the podcast, was that, um, you know, hearkening back to our VR episode, Palmer Lukey, who is this, like, you know, inventor oh, yeah. of uh, <laughs> uh, the Oculus of Rift, Oculus, really, yeah. yeah, brought back VR. He, uh, and he was kind of a Reddit troll or something. Well, yeah, then he funded this, like, m- these memes, these anti-Trump, or the pro-Trump memes, these anti-Clinton memes, and then got outed, and I got, f- kind of didn't appear at his, like, um, you know, product events, and so then there was rumors and then Facebook of course did, did fire him though he said he was leaving or whatever it was very kind of he was, it was really unceremonious dismissal of like the right you know the next Zuckerberg but it's funny to hear his newest startup is have you heard about it? Yeah. Uh, so he's like, he's changing his mind, thinking of the future, right? He's thinking, ooh, where's the next opportunity? And so he has a new company that's about, that that's building drones um, that are built for surveillance of the American-Mexican border. So, uh, yeah, like, it's military a surveillance. Wall, you can have a digital wall. Yeah. Mil- well, yeah, military surveillance drones. Like, that's, I've never seen that kind of change from going from VR to, <laughs> to like, tr- monitoring yeah. Trump's border wall. Uh, it's <laughs> quite a, ch- a shift. Uh, yeah, but that's, I, I, uh, I also read something about how so this Scott Galloway is an interesting figure and he's talking about how most Silicon Valley companies seem to have a left leaning CEO mm. like a humanitarian who is for Hillary uh, it, still they want to deregulate but overall they, you want to have someone and that's why Uber is clashing with culture right now it's uh, yeah that's it's the other big, big news this week of course is that Uber fired its CEO that we, or he stepped down rather um He's taking a leave of absence. He's doing yeah, a Kalonic 2.0 or Kalonic. I don't know how to pronounce his name, actually. I always say Kalonic because yeah. it makes me sound like a colon, colonoscopy. Colon cleanse. <laughs> colon <laughs> cleanse. But uh, yeah, he's working on 
colon cleanse 2.0 version of himself uh, to, to get himself ready to be, I don't know, a social justice warrior or something like that. But because uh, he's currently like a misogynist that's been caught on camera, you know. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a few people. examples in Hollywood of actors that got bad news and that like Tom Cruise mm-hmm. appeared or, really crazy because of Scientology or what's the name of that guy who cheated on his <laughs> wife? There's also the British actor, famously. Liz, Liz Hur- yeah, the, yeah, Liz Hurley. Hugh, Hugh uh, no, Hugh. <laughs> yeah. What's his name? So, but after that, he had to We're become like kind of a jerk yeah. in movies. Before that, he was the, the sweetheart, and the only way out was for him to embrace the, being a jerk. Mm. Yeah. So maybe, maybe Kalanick has to just start a surveillance company as well. No, but maybe he could just be... Wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing if he actually became, like, a, a, a nice guy and he, like, led some kind of uh, a <laughs> I don't know if it's possible I don't know if I want George him to George W. Anything. Bush is kind of doing that now he's doing a lot of uh, charity work for Africa I saw this video of him dancing in Africa and smiling with the, all the people he was doing good work for and uh, and I mean after the, uh, President Orange he seems uh, such a great guy yeah, so that's the new. That's all the that, that that's the but, news. But the, the, the theme of acquisitions is interesting. Mm. In that, also Just going in, back in to the, Amazon. Yeah, going back to Amazon buying Whole Foods and all these brands consolidating, and it's also. I don't have the metrics, but the the meme now is that the art world, the the middle tier is is having a hard time. So the big galleries are buying up the artists from the successful artists from. Just rewind a little bit. There's there's tiny galleries, there's middle galleries, and there's huge galleries. Yeah, there's like Gagosian at the top, right? And then well, there's, there's like four, there's four big galleries, I think. There's Werner, Pace, Gagosian, and Hauser and Wirth. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all blue chip big players. Yeah, maybe they'll merge. But the middle galleries are kind of like the R and D. They're the startups. So, so it, it, there's even smaller galleries. But the the like Steve the value Turner they have. Yeah, well, the value they have is their artists. So mm-hmm. they find young artists that don't make any money yet. And for two, three years, you have to do shows that don't make that much. Mm-hmm. And then the artists start to become successful and everybody starts to trust the brand of the artist. So they want to buy into it. Mm-hmm. And then the big gallery says, hey, we'll take it. The, like so, the blue chip gallery? Yeah. They'll take the so, artist? That's so very the rare, economi- though. Like no, it doesn't have. Yeah, doesn't but the whole economic model—the the economic mm-hmm. model—means that um, an artist starts, and when an artist becomes highly profitable, mm-hmm. the big gallery takes it and doesn't have to invest anything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's similar to uh, big companies merging, but it just seems like the 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 start starting phase is really difficult. It takes a lot of time and energy, and a lot, a lot of passion and. Uh, well, yeah, thoughts. yeah, and at the bottom yeah. there are like thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of tiny galleries that yeah you know mostly just die uh and the average the average business though you always hear the statistic of like 90 percent of businesses or 80 percent of businesses fail that's actually a myth it's um it's closer to 40 percent fail within four years like so 60 percent of businesses succeed that's better than the divorce rate by the way just uh, to put that in perspective in <laughs> america the divorce rate i think is around 54 percent or something <laughs> so more businesses survive than marriages um, but I think galleries are not like I don't. I would love to get a statistic on that. I don't. I don't have it, but I assume uh, that it's not very high based on my the experience I've lived in yeah. my life of seeing a lot. But of But it's also films. a lot of times it's good not to know the statistics because you 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 might feel 
Like, oh, never mind. I'm not going to do this. But here's what happens, and you know this well. Most artists subsidize their careers with, as, as we've talked about before, with a jo- day job or something, and then that's like, then they can take all kinds of risks. But a lot of what maybe maybe our listeners don't know, or maybe they do know someone. A lot of people start their first gallery and they keep a day job, uh, and so they're they're working that day job as like a stable income because the gallery income is incredibly variable. And when you start a business, whenever there's a client relationship. It, this is true in advertising agencies as well. You have this like potential for catastrophic failure if you lose your biggest client. In a gallery, your biggest client is like your biggest collector, right? Um, yeah, and it's 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 very it's it's the opposite of uh, like a healthy business with millions of subscribers. And if a few people cancel, you're, you're fine. But this yeah. is like, well, we have five clients. I, I wore the wrong jacket. They didn't like it. My business is over. But that's why I don't think it's really a fair comparison between Amazon. And a large gallery, because the large gallery, it, even Gagosian is like fixing prices. Now, they might actually sell to institutions. No, but the, the, there is a similarity into Apple buying something like Siri. Mm-hmm. It's a small team, and then they just buy it up. And so it, when Apple buys Siri, they're not leaving another R&D mm. unit behind. But yes. it, when, when a bigger gallery buys a successful artist, not even buys, they just, they don't even have to pay for it. So. You're reminding me of what actually happens in that case is what's called an aqua hire. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah. an aqua hire is you don't buy the company for what it does, you buy it for its people. Uh, and then you like or both, absorb those or, or the patents. Or, yeah. yeah, but you're kind of, it's really expensive in tech anyway to hire people. Um, in fact, like there's all these, it, it's also really hard to retain them. And so usually an aqua hire has all kinds of strings attached to it and stuff. And, and startups, of course, use these like stock vestments uh, to keep employees longer. Maybe people don't know about that. It's actually interesting. If galleries were to do this, it would be like when galleries had contracts, but galleries don't have contracts anymore. But um, what what happens when you sign up with a startup is like they'll often give you stock options. Now you're thinking like, oh, if they sell, you're richer right away. But no, they do this thing called vesting where you can't buy your options until they're fully vested and they vest over time. So the first year you get like 25%, you know, second year 50, whatever the and schedule is. And it also is. makes you more motivated to make the company the best it, c- it could be. Yeah, that's right. So like, yeah, the I, the concept is the harder you work, the more your stocks are worth uh, when there's an eventual sale or you go public. Um, but they don't want you to like just, you know, buy all your stock and then get out of there. So they, they make sure that there's a schedule that this, this is vested, this vesting schedule, they call it. But um, galleries don't have anything like that, right? Like you can come and go as you please. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, it's, you know, it's a bit of a Wild West thing, which is nice. Well, it's built on relationships, which is, I think, why people don't move around that much. But uh, in st- the startup world, it reminds me that, like, I talk to developers at, at FreshBooks, and every day they sell, they tell me that every day they get a call from a recruiter, um, and there's or just a LinkedIn such a message. shortage of, of good developers. That's right. Like, there's so f- there are so few developers, so that's why Aqua hires happen because you could like get a hundred developers in one shot. <laughs> well, not only that, but also the team uh, is is communicating well, is functioning well. They've proven that they can build something interesting. Yeah, that's right. Actually, that's funny too. Yeah, because we just assume that like people are generic and and fine, but actually, there's a team thing. It's like that goes a, a sports on. team. Like they they have <laughs> to have chemistry. Yeah. Of course, we all know that like in a lot of these acquisition situations, a lot of employees do quit or go on, move on because mm. management has a new idea, quote unquote, for how we should operate. <laughs> 
So <laughs> then maybe maybe just to, for a second back to Whole Foods. Yeah. It seems that the Whole Foods and Amazon are very complementary. That they, they both do something well that the other doesn't. So what does Whole Foods do well? It does organic dis- produce distribution. Well, basically. I, th- I think um, uh, Amazon tried, tried doing Amazon Fresh and it wasn't so successful. Mm. Amazon wants to dominate just the idea of I want something. Well, like any, we've talked about this before. Like so, a big company. So maybe next thing they they buy yeah. opening ceremony because they want to dominate. Fashion. No, they'll never. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe. But but what they want to do is they want to look at the biggest segments, like to grow, because yeah. they have to show a growth rate of I don't know, like a really healthy growth rate. It's forty percent, but no company does that. So it gets harder and harder to get high growth rates, right? But early on, you get this like hockey stick of growth. But then, but how they, does an so Amazon? They, they, they try groceries on their own, but I mm-hmm. think they don't have the brand because you said. It's such a price conscious thing, and people mm-hmm. don't want price conscious food. They want good food. So, right. a, a book, you don't care where it's printed, and you just want it as cheap as possible. It, you mm-hmm. just want to read the novel. Right. Very few it's, people are like, oh, it has to be a nice paper and it has to be bound by hand or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but I think when it comes to ordering produce, you're putting that in your body and you're. Yeah. yeah, but could, it's, I mean, it's a, it, and I think that's where the the brand of Amazon is lacking. It, the, the idea of putting the cheapest option in your body doesn't work. So they're probably not buying the Whole Foods employees, I guess is what you're saying. But they are buying the the qual the assurance of like a third party assurance that like, hey, these people yeah, know how to do fresh food do. well. It, yeah, it, 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 if, it, if they yeah. want to, if they want to move people's behavior from. Uh, going to a grocery store to subscribing mm-hmm. to groceries and then being delivered mm-hmm. and it just Amazon just feels cheap so you think like oh if I buy Amazon Fresh it's just mm-hmm. you but there are I mean? b- yeah no because if we go back to art like there are big brands that eventually just couldn't do um, like the other areas right like I think of like Saatchi trying to do online <laughs> kind of stuff yeah. did you ever go to like Saatchi's on- horrible online uh, directory or site the the artist directory yeah 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 you run into it every now and then yeah it's like but it's like nothing it's nothing like the like like the reputation Sachi had built on the YBAs in London it's like every artist on the planet uh, it's listed. like a MySpace yeah yeah and it's yeah. terrible like it's like not a it doesn't make any sense for for well the yeah brand. so it seems that uh, Whole Foods could have an injection of technology. Mm-hmm. In, in not technology in the food, but technology in the checkout, in the ordering, in the mm-hmm. identity payments, etc. Right. I'm surprised they didn't buy Trader Joe's though, because I think that that has like a more California style, and uh, mm-hmm. and also like they do their own uh, like white label stuff, like Amazon brand, like Amazon Basics. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we're really if, stuck if on the, this. If, if you had to do dinner and you, you you're cooking and there was a Trader Joe's and Whole Foods next to each other, mm-hmm. where would you go? Um, I don't really like Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, but I would probably uh, try Trader Joe's first because it's exciting, and they always have crazy things there. <laughs> mm-hmm. What and do then, you not like about that? Both of them. Well, a I'm, I mean I'm Canadian, so like I'm not. I don't think either of those stores is up to my standard of a grocery store in Canada. <laughs> Are grocery stores in Canada that good? Yeah, yeah, they're a lot better than American grocery stores, in my opinion. And better um, than European grocery stores? Uh, yeah, way better. Like I'm shopping here in Oslo, and it's like there, the the produce section in Oslo is like, uh, like tiny. Like uh, it's as big it's as big as your living room, 
and it's there's only no like sunshine there <laughs> well there's a lot of sunshine now and then of course everything's like i don't know it's organized really poorly too like it's organized like an ikea <laughs> do you think it's because they they go to a produce store and a butcher and a bakery separate and that uh, yeah grocery stores are kind of the last option yeah, I think that might be part of it. I mean, when I yeah, when I lived in Berlin, of course, I shopped every day for that reason because the grocery stores, German grocery stores, are the lowest of the low. They've like, <laughs> I mean, Amazon should have bought them because they they already basically are Amazon in a physical place. Lidl. They just yeah. yeah, like Lidl just rips open the box and it's like go wild. Oh, it's uh, so depressing. <laughs> but the prices are okay. You can get uh, really cheap, um, like I don't know really cheap cheese there really cheap meats and stuff well the the way it works with those grocery stores is that a third of the products are actually great mm-hmm. maybe even better than at the fancy grocery stores but you have to know which one so they might have a really nice olive oil and uh, mm. but is maybe this, the vinegar is terrible i really didn't expect that we'd be talking about grocery stores for half an hour i, I wonder whether we have to apologize to well, our it's audience it's a big so. part of life yeah. it is it is a big part of life i mean it, you know a slight pivot is amazon also uh is now delivering ikea furniture i don't know if you heard that but that's oh not, i didn't know that so yeah. it, it, but maybe that's the 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 thing where we're headed is that the, the world ends up with one or two companies yeah well i think that what they do is they're a delivery company one thing to note is like it's not it's not that they're selling they're, that's why i really think this isn't about groceries this is about logistics and delivery and uber came mm-hmm. out like a, a couple of years ago and said we're not a taxi company we're an, a logistics company right so we're like about moving people from point a to point b and they're really in transportation so you know they're also going to do uh, self-driving trucks and things like that and i think amazon's just in the business of like taking a little bit um off the top of a transaction online and a delivery, yeah. like, they're, but they're really just it, about delivering and taking. They're almost the a, to me. They're almost a payments company where I'll mm. see some running shoes and I could buy them from the brand, or I can buy them on Amazon and they have my info, and then mm-hmm. the decision is very easy. Yeah, yeah. That's so. so that's, to me, it, it it almost seems like PayPal could do that, but somehow, it, PayPal is not uh, substantial enough. But this is like a really interesting question. So you're right. It's the payments business is huge, and the largest, uh, like the fastest growing section of you know startup culture is around fintech or financial technologies. And like, yeah, there's PayPal was one of the first. Of course, we know that led to like them start. You know, the people from PayPal made tons of money. Um, and then there's like Square, and there's like Venmo. Here in uh, Norway, there's something called Vips. Everyone pays with Vips. It's actually mm. kind of funny. Have you heard about this? They so no, every store the has like has its own as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Exactly. So there's like different ones everywhere, and uh, but Vips is funny because everyone has like a different Vips number. Like I'm number eight two six five nine. Just Vips me. Um, but it's like <laughs> I don't. Know, it's really bizarre that they came up with this brand new thing. Yeah. And um, Apple's gonna come out with uh, peer-to-peer payments. Yeah. 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 So everyone wants a little bit of payments. Uh, it's like. It's yeah. because that's the biggest but the, <laughs> slice the, the, of the pie. The, the, it's everything. The removing friction argument mm-hmm. is it. It just seems like uh, alluding to the base level of laziness, but it really makes a big difference. It, it, it's whenever you don't, you must have had a lot of moments where you almost bought a pair of shoes, but you're like, ah, I don't want to sign up for another login. Never mind. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, here's what I can tell you about like the payments business and friction is it's like it's definitely the most important thing. Like um it used to be in the United States that there were you could accept payments online, but it was very, very difficult. There was a company called authorized.net that was like one of the biggest. Um, and it was like a you know, like a ten day process of getting signed up to accept <laughs> credit cards. Uh, just yeah. to receive money, not to send money. But then then people could pay you with a credit card or whatever. And a lot of it was actually based on fraud risk. But then like startup companies started uh, making it easier to sign up and they like took the fraud risk on for themselves. And, um, and some things that they did involved like using like big data to analyze uh, fraud and the potential for fraud and, and also just like, you know, eating some of the risk, uh, which uh, we all know like, um, you know, is what companies might do to just get larger market share. Um, but then later, now they calculate, you know, things in real time all the time. And different people have different rates for different things. And it's like totally automated. And uh, at that point, the, there's like companies like Stripe that came along um, or Braintree. And they made like payments APIs available to, is, is this really boring? I don't know. Anyway, no, they made I, like, they made, like, yeah, they made payments APIs available to other developers. So then other developers could build on top of these payment platforms. And they could also like take a percentage or what's called a, like a basis point off of uh, the margin that those companies were making. So these Stripes created these open payment platforms. And then there's another big one uh, called WePay. And all of these companies allow you to, they make money on the transaction. They, they may make like 2%. And then you take like 0.1% or 0.2% off of that. Um, and so everyone's just slicing up this 2 or 3%. Um, and and you know getting getting building businesses on that and it's all built yeah. on volume and so like you know of course we had advertising models for startups for a long time but the payments models are similar in that like you don't get much for one click on an ad but if you can generate a thousand clicks or a million clicks then you can create like a sustainable business and, and um, then what you want to create is is an addictive behavior Because within it, that, yeah. So you, thing, like, like yeah. I, I've signed up for PayPal way before Amazon, so I already had that behavior. But for some reason, Amazon, it, like, I could imagine a system where there's a few open players for payments, and you've mm -hmm. just signed up for them, and then you can go to any online store, and it has the same return policy. But somehow, everything being under the Amazon just makes everything more yeah but what uh, we're getting close to describing is like amazon as government and i don't know whether uh we've already talked about amazon but i think other players want to do the same thing so in the united states the big four as you call them the four horsemen or four horse people uh they have <laughs> <laughs> I did the, four horse pigs what i think that's better <laughs> anyway uh they they are like the united states is very libertarian so for our not our non-american listeners like you know you everyone knows i think that this you know the history of the united states is one of like uh government being kind of bad or considered bad right because the british were like taxing them and uh and so the revolution was about like you know kind of like less government was good right And yeah. a lot of Silicon Valley kind of appropriated this as like, not only is less government good, but we can do government better. <laughs> and so a lot of services represent kind of a privatization of government. And I think money and payments in that space and Amazon in terms of logistics and really delivery. And if you think about Amazon, you know, FedEx was probably the first company to come in here and, and, and take away a government service and privatize it and do a better job with it. Um, that's what's happening. So you're seeing all of these services, like instead of public transportation, you have Uber. So instead of payments, you have, uh, instead of money, you have Square or you have, you know, uh, Stripe, like I mentioned, or, or Venmo or something mm -hmm. like that. 
And so all but these it, services yeah. are getting sliced up. And Amazon but it seems that like a purely financial service like Square or PayPal is not powerful enough. You, you need to have it attached to retail. Yeah. So what you're saying, if we're getting to our good point today, is that like uh, you would still need to have like a shop, <laughs> like the no, government, the like government, like that, but also so. If the government still needs a com, city hall. You can, you can see how much money you have, but you can't buy anything there. Yeah. And so somehow... No, I know. That's not what I'm saying. Though. What I'm saying so is So there's like, a fine line. You're saying Amazon is, is more of a logistics company than a store, but still that it has the feeling of a store, makes uh, you trust it more and makes the behavior... No, I'm just saying these companies are really like... Repl- if you were to abstract what they're doing, they're trying to take over pieces of like our lives the same way government does, and they exist but as... But Amazon this- is not taking over shipping. They still outsource shipping to other companies. Mm. But they abstract it with a layer, an interface layer, right? So as far yeah. as you're concerned, the experience of receiving... Like what you're buying, or to use like Clayton Christensen's term, what you're hiring is the good you know the the physical good on your doorstep the same day or next day at the latest yeah, right yeah you're buying that instant gratification and how it arrives yeah they figure it out they broker deals but like almost every company does what's called white labeling now which is like they don't build everything themselves and then this is actually totally in line with this like purchasing whole foods they take something someone else's product and then they repackage it and call it their own right so they they buy another company maybe in one in one version of the story and then they take that technology and they put it in their box and packaging and call yeah we did all the innovation another way they do that like is by buying people we talked about um, but another way is that the other company continues to be independent. So like what they could have done with Whole Foods is say like, we're going to partner with Whole Foods to provide, you know, this service like Samsung, deli- you know, provides all the most of the parts in Apple's phones. Right. Um, they're kind of covering their bases. Right. All the screens are made by Samsung as an example. Mm-hmm. That's called white labeling. Like when you have a payments product inside your app, like I mentioned Stripe as one, your white la- they offer a white label service where the company can pretend like they invented that service. Yeah. Um, so that's it's, what Amazon's a, doing. They're abstracting. It's a funny time because Amazon is eating up purchases from places like Macy's or Walmart, or like bigger players. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can be a small retailer and have a very niche product and sell it on Amazon and you have access to the entire world. So uh, that didn't yeah. exist 15 years ago. And Amazon takes a cut. But all these companies, they want to just make sure that no, no matter who wins, they take a cut. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so no matter how we go down in flames, everyone, get, you know, we'll, we'll have our cut, which is enough for there, our, there our were, vessel. I, I read something about when, when Rockefeller had the entire oil, he basically owned energy in the US, mm-hmm. everything around it. So gas stations, uh, cars, I don't remember what, but it wasn't just oil, it was everything around oil. Mm-hmm. And it actually for the consumer it was good. Everything was cheaper because of those efficiencies. But still, the the government had to break it up. It was too big of a monopoly. Mm. So I guess we'll find out what happens to Amazon. And yeah, but that also years. happened with the telecommunication companies, right? In the United States, that's yeah. actually a big part of the antitrust laws in the U.S. Uh, you know, get, avoiding monopolies. Uh, you know, and the tendency for these companies to to sort of consolidate. There's also the net neutrality debate that sort of centers around this as well, because as we've talked about previously, like telecommunication companies are now merging with entertainment companies to deliver their content to you, you know, like, you know, faster Mm -hmm. than a small startup. Um, So like, 
apparently even Reed Hastings or not Reed Hoffman that's uh, LinkedIn um, who's the, the the Netflix Reed, guy Reed Hastings is the Netflix guy oh yeah. Reed Hoffman is the LinkedIn guy Reed Hastings it's the investor Netflix. Reed Hoffman yeah 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 uh, so uh, yeah Reed Hastings uh, said that he doesn't care about net neutrality anymore or something like that in a recent interview uh, because but you then know, he, he, he stepped back or he, he reversed that statement later oh did he well it's just like I'm okay you know like Netflix is going to be okay we have a dominant position you know yeah. if you get 40% we're, we're of a market now. no yeah. one's going to unseat us now right Apple actually is started to get this is a fun thing for us to talk about but Apple uh, has get a, is now like rumored to become like a Netflix company uh, and they put out their first show have you watched it yet no, is it the app reality yeah, show? It's hilarious. It's called it's Planet horrible. of the Apps. It's called Planet of the Apps, which first of all, let's just break that down for a second. Planet of the Apes. <laughs> That's the play on words, right? So, And it's about developers pitching their apps. So what are developers? Apes? <laughs> And there's it's a this bit idea like uh, the, the 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 dragon's den or what's that? Yeah, it is. Shark but tank? like, I don't yeah. know if people are aware, but um, you know, every developer's worst nightmare is becoming what's called a code monkey, which is just someone who like, <laughs> and then they go and call this developer app, fo- you know, focused dragon's den, planet of the apps, <laughs> and then to make it even more humiliating for for developers and stuff. So they have four judges, and the judges are ridiculous. Uh, it's like will I? About it's, yeah, it's like will I am Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, who are the other ones? Uh, it's like an well, all celebrity yeah. kind of panel. Yeah, uh, and then you ride. Uh, you have sixty seconds to pitch your idea to them while you ride down an escalator. So here's what I figured out. It's like it's the elevator pitch. Someone, thing, yeah, yeah, someone was like, we should do elevator pitches. They only have his nest, and we'll put them in an elevator. And they're like, there's no way we could fit the judges in an elevator. Well, not only the, that, you can't see an elevator move. So the escalators, yeah, so, visually, you can so see So I can see they're like, yeah, no, we won't do an elevator. It'll be an escalator pitch. Let's do that. And then the escalator <laughs> itself is like, it's not really an escalator. Kind of looks, it's just a platform sliding down. <laughs> <laughs> the center stage and then the judges have to like swipe up on these apps uh, and, t- and like if if no one swipes up then they're immediately eliminated uh, and Where basically do you watch this on it's iTunes? on like Apple Music but just like do a search for Planet of the Apps for a limited time you can watch it with an Apple to Apple subscription and it's the most cringeworthy hilarious <laughs> show they're like have you thought about pivoting into the b2b market and they're just using all of this language that like five years ago you'd be like (laughs) you know losomo no what's that we have to get more local social mobile oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's like that um but uh there's this whole profession of of consultants that mostly what you have to do is sound confident yeah it's just like this is not I don't think this is a good I mean maybe this is what the tech world's like but it's like I was just already embarrassed by it and I, and I was laughing out loud throughout the whole the whole episode uh, and because this it, it, now that you know it's like our I think I've said this before like our parents had free love and we have free shipping you know using Amazon kind of thing but like Will I Am and Gwyneth Paltrow are judging <laughs> you know app to- <laughs> <laughs> Don't underestimate them. And the first well, app I that, made that really cool uh, <laughs> uh, camera accessory to the phone. <laughs> he has like and all a these... huge smartwatch. Yeah. yeah, he came up with the worst project. <laughs> Yeah, his smartwatch is terrible. I don't know. Anyway, like I don't know. I, I like I, I was thinking like, what is Gwyneth Paltrow thinking while she's on stage with? But now that I'm thinking about it, we we would be two perfect candidates to be those kind of visionaries. 
like be the visionary for HP and come up with the worst ideas and just be confident and <laughs> yeah you, we you, have know, an you know Shingy the, the we, visionary for AOL yeah yeah people like that. <laughs> well no I can see I us think, riding down the I escalator think in ten, I think in 10 years we'll we'll get there yeah, yeah we're riding down the escalator we have a great idea for a podcast hey kids we've got a great idea <laughs> it's an, what it's if an you app. snapchat but each snap was no. made out of a sculpture it's an app about nothing <laughs> <laughs> it's an we app have, that tells you the weather but somewhere else no it's like we have too much of something in the world we need an app about nothing it would be like the Seinfeld yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh man it's like a Siri and you ask it questions and it goes I don't know <laughs> yeah. get off your phone actually we're all gonna die <laughs> Silvio uh, I mentioned Silvio LaRusso earlier today who is hanging out with us here in Oslo and he uh, he has these stickers that he was handing out and the stickers say shouldn't you be working and uh, mm. he, you know they put that's them that's what my, uh, my I use a, a Chrome extension that whenever yeah I so it's, in, media, it's inspired yeah. it's inspired by this so like if you're using Facebook for too long this Chrome extension will come up and say shouldn't you be working and so he yeah. is like oh this needs to be all over the world <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so he made these stickers available. Now people put them like on their Tupperware or like on the, you know, on their TV. Yeah, the opposite or, would be nice too. That on your work computer, it said, "Shouldn't you be a human and talk?" Shouldn't to you people? be resting? Shouldn't you be resting? Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't you be chilling? Yeah, I feel like that's that should be your slogan and definitely. Shouldn't your you pitch. be surfing? Yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't you be on a beach? Shouldn't you be online? I mean, it's funny, actually, because now we're really off topic. But like, you know, in the 1980s, I remember growing up and all the slogans were like, life's a beach. Do you remember that? Life's mm-hmm. a beach. Don't yeah. have a cow. Like, don't stress. Right. Yeah. And yeah. now it'd be happy. And now we live in a culture that's really like, like stre- stressing yourself out is considered like a badge of honor. Like uh, there's there's a Fiverr advertisement. I don't know if you've ever seen it called yeah. like, we're for yeah. the doers. And they like they're like we're for people that stay up all night and who from you know who send emails from the toilet and yeah <laughs> we're for people. It, it seems very uh, backwards because you should be working smart not working hard so it, of course it's good to work hard if it's effective but just working hard for the sake of it and not even uh, producing that much yeah it's a t- it's terrible yeah. we, we I, I, feel like- I, I think what happens is when you emphasize working hard your brain kind of shuts off. Yeah, so there's that like stress causes the brain to function in a different manner. I find though if I have like a, if I know exactly where I'm going and I have a certain amount of stress, it can be very motivating. But uh, okay. which which kind of is uh, maybe yeah, but know. maybe more for the sort of if you really want to step back and be like you're working on something that's actually not working, but you're like okay, we just need to work harder, but mm-hmm. it's not working. Like, we need to make MySpace better. Okay, let's do it. Okay, let's work harder. And, and you're like, wait a minute. I don't mm. think MySpace is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, well, someone was telling me about, um, did you remember this app called uh, High Five? No. It was like, a, I didn't use it, but around the same time as MySpace, like my roommate I'm staying with here in Oslo, he used it. And it was like before Tinder, um, you could like high five someone and it meant you wanted to like hook up with them or something. And it was like MySpace, uh, and you would just like kind of go through profiles. Though it was like pre-Tinder, and it failed, just yeah. like Friendster and MySpace. But like, it was uh, a bit too early. Yeah, yeah. But th- he was he brought it up because he received an email from them or something, <laughs> and it's like these companies are still around. Like, there's someone 
are working in the background. Like, maybe we should like send an engagement email and see if like our users are still interested. Yeah, let's reboot this. We just got to work harder. Like when Justin Timberlake bought MySpace. But that's what I, you know, just to get to a good point, because we're supposed to get to a good point. Like when Amazon buys Whole Foods or Apple buys Siri, the, the history of these kinds of acquisitions is usually one of ruining them. You know, there no, are very few. I, I disagree there. I, Why? I think there's. I, I don't know if you have any metrics, but I think there's many successful acquisitions. <laughs> Asking for metrics. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I don't have them on the tip of my fingers. I, I mean, well, name one successful acquisition that well, that resulted. Or, or no, Beats, or Apple Music or. Uh, wait a second. Instagram or WhatsApp or. There was YouTube a benefit. Was a good acquisition. All right, all right. I was thinking it, it was beneficial for the user. Like I argue, I would argue maybe YouTube was actually better for like creators before it was purchased by Google. Instagram has gotten a, I don't know, it's kind of just stayed the same since Facebook bought it. It has stories, but it just t- took that from Snapchat. Like all the innovation happened before it was owned by a big company. Yeah, but they, then, they've grown in user numbers. So and then it, just to go, in terms yeah. of, if you think that it's a, that many people should use the product, then it being acquired by something like Facebook is a good thing. I guess it's good for the marketing budget. But No, but if you, it, I'm, I'm not saying Instagram is an... Uh, a humanitarian effort but if you believe that it's a fun product that adds mm. joy to people's lives then the more people use it the better so and, that just and with a, with a partner like facebook they can grow faster okay so it gives you some confidence in the platform and maybe that's like if we were to tie that good point to the good point about galleries like the because you could be very critical of blue chip galleries as adding you know they're just too big and they're not really about the people they're just these kind of like almost museums and but they give like confidence in contemporary art as an example i'm I'm still really amazed when i saw the basquiat exhibition at gagosian and Mm -hmm. so it's free entrance which uh, uh, museums don't have and there were people from all walks of life with uh, children and young families and uh, i'd never seen that in a museum that that uh, mix of crowds so um yeah, because usually but that's just the work of Basquiat. It's it's not, but it's also I don't know. It was it, it well, was it's very funny. Interesting to it see. is really funny because I had a, a studio visit this week with some people here in Oslo, and I was explaining to them like, you know, my position as being fluxus, kind of like, and the, the original manifesto is kind of like art, not you know for the bourgeoisie or the elite, but for the people and da da da. And I was like, what happened? You know, what happened to that movement? Or in there are you know there have been other movements like it, but this curator that I was talking to is like we don't care about what audiences think, right? Is this, and you've made this argument too, right? Where it's like, you don't, you know, necessarily, it's about free, free expression. But, you know, at the same time, you know, like my, I mean, my fundamental argument is art has to be for the most number of people because, and I know you disagree with me, but because that's, that helps us all move forward. That's like, this is terrible comparison. That's like Amazon buying Whole Foods to make it available yeah, to yeah, more yeah. people. So we can make organic produce available to everybody. That's right. Yeah, that's my good point. But, is uh, the, like, I mean, the, scale. the criticism of, yeah, the, the criticism, of course, of the organic community is, well, Whole Foods is not as organic as it could be. And because it's such a big scale, they have to compromise on fertilizers and uh, mm. monoculture farming. And, you know, it's, it's not as cute as like a, a little farm in the Shire in uh, in Middle Earth. But would it have but been better if Amazon bought like Costco? Walmart. Yeah, Walmart. yeah, yeah, exactly. So so that's the, I, I think that is a, 
it's the same thing with Instagram. They have to add features and it kind of takes away from the purity of the app, mm-hmm. but it does grow in user numbers. And if there's more content, then that well, makes I'm a, it more fun. I've noticed yeah. with like big contemporary artists, like, I don't know, <laughs> they're so funny. it's so funny. Did you see this thing this week? Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but like, um, it's like a new virtual reality platform and like Jeff Koons oh, yeah. and Marina <laughs> Abramovic are involved with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. it called? Like RT, Arta something or other but anyway it's like mm-hmm. a new platform and they've got like the world's biggest artist making virtual reality experiences just for you and you look at this and like Jeff Koons is giving his pitch for this ridiculous like chrome ballerina virtual reality experience and Marina Bromovic's like got this <laughs> I don't even like her piece is even worse and you're like they have completely lost touch with reality in their search to find growth right so to, to reach the most number of people and they've now partnered with the worst VR platform <laughs> to create the most garbage content because that's what they think people want. And VR is garbage to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, because, you know, maybe like in terms of like your argument usually is like you're going to water down the original kind of expression if you have to reach too many people. I think the same thing can happen in this, you know, as a company. Well, gets the, the, this, yeah, especially if you have to work with big teams, then the individual voice gets lost. That's maybe my, my argument. So I, I, I think big expressions of big teams are good for a certain thing like for, mm-hmm. for big marvel studio movies mm-hmm. but if you if you have a really strange idea and you don't want a happy ending and you want weird subversive themes and you want people to say things that are ethically morally wrong and you want a crazy sense of humor that's not going to go through that pipeline um we did have a, a field recording though right did we yeah someone sent one in which one? <laughs> or did they email you? Ah, they did. Okay, well, I'll bring it up. Uh, I thought that uh, you heard the field recording. Um, and this week's field recording comes from Marc-Andre Wybazon. He says, Hi, Jeremy, I have a new field recording for you, which is in a skate park near my apartment. You hear my friend Jacob skating and performing a number of tricks. Besides the typical clacking and cruising sounds, there is some slightly annoying squeaking that comes from his rubber bushings. I had no idea it would be so loud. Skateboarding means much to me. Uh, I do it, I've done it for 24 years now with some hiatus, and it's one of the constants in my life. It really is helpful to actively relax and get away from the computer. It's also a great way to explore architecture and view the city through different lens, through a different lens. Hope you like it. Uh, so that's a wonderful uh, little thought there, Mark Andre. And I think um, we don't always Thank think you. of skateboarding as relaxing, but I actually think of windsurfing that way. I was a windsurfer for a long time, and mm. uh, it is very relaxing just to get out there and be one with the uh, I don't know, one with the momentum and uh, I don't know yeah, movements. Awesome. I guess yeah. So with that in mind, um, I guess that's all we have for today. A very disorganized episode. Um, seemingly unprofessional and uh but uh thank you so much for listening and we love hearing field uh, about what you've what you've liked and not liked about the show and we love getting your field recordings so thanks again for that okay bye everybody bye everyone